Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I got an exciting show ready for you. And um, Alex, I think I hear you in the background walking around in your new house. Yeah, yeah. You can hear it's quite echoey in here. I'm in an office full of boxes and uh, <laughs> just getting ready to uh, get ready to get in this place. Well, it's about time. You've been building that thing forever. I know. I know. It seems like forever, but uh, it's, it's, it's come out really nice. We're really excited about it and I uh, can't wait to get everything set up. Well, good for you, man. That's exciting. That's exciting. We've been talking about building an, our own house. But, yeah. Um, we don't big, know. Big job. It's a big deal. It's it's more work than you thought it would be, right? <laughs> well, you know, in the beginning, it was a little bit on the easier side with the framing and getting that all together. Um with, you know, from foundation to framing to plumbing to uh, electrical and all that stuff. It was just, it's just here at the end, the little things just get you, you know, it's like death, death by a thousand cuts, you know, and then, and then <laughs> right. I, yeah, I did some kind of crazy things. I mean, at the end I was like, okay, yeah, throw in the pool. Okay. Yeah. Throw in the paver system all the way around the house and up the driveway and all that stuff. So, you know, that's, you know, that's my fault obviously, but it looks really good. And, um, it's just very involved, very, very involved with uh, all the work that goes into it. And then also making sure your neighbors on either side <laughs> are being taken care of. Um, Cause you, you blocked their view, didn't you? Oh, I was, yeah, it was very bad. Yeah. And they're probably listening to this podcast right I now. I know. So I, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep it cool, you know? So <laughs> one of the neighbors, one of the neighbors did say he looked me up and saw my website. I said, oh, okay. Well, Uh-oh. Cool. Give me a good <laughs> review. <laughs> well, cool. Very good. We are yeah. – I'm actually homeless right now. You're moving into a new house. I'm homeless. We are we, – we don't have a house to go back to. We're going to – we're in Prague right now. We'll be here for three months total. And uh, we're just – it's like a working vacation. I'm still working, right? But um, – We've been having a blast and traveling a lot, and uh, I'll be talking more about that in the future. Um, but when we move back, wow. we're either going to be buying a house or building a house. And we, if, yeah, if we decide to build a house, I'm not sure where we're going to live in the meantime, <laughs> but we'll figure that out. Maybe wow. maybe we'll be living in our camper. Well, I've got some room here. You want to come hang out? Yeah. <laughs> so let's jump in, though. Uh, on the show, we have Edwin Kelly from Specialized IRA Services. I do the same thing when I have, uh, when I have uh, Bailey's in my coffee, too, Joe. Don't worry about it. <laughs> IRA. IRA. Specialized IRA Services. Um, Edwin is an expert in self-directed IRAs, which is a very important investment retirement account. Yes. A very important topic, especially to real estate investors for multiple reasons. One of them being it's a great way to grow. Like if you get, if you're making good money to grow your income, your money tax free through investing. And it's also a great way to, if you're, if you're getting, if you're raising private money, to help educate some of your private investors on how to invest in IRAs so you can start borrowing the money. And there's a whole bunch of issues involved with that and a lot of issues involved with that. And you've got to be really careful to make sure you're doing it right. You've got to make sure that you're working with the right team. And we've known Eddie for a little while now. He's in one of my masterminds, The Collective Genius, and he travels a lot all over the country and we're honored to have him here. Edwin, how are you? I am terrific, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. Good. We're going to be talking about self-directed IRAs, how to buy real estate tax-free, and how to use other people's money to fund your deals through self-directed IRAs. Um, can you give us a little background, Edwin, of your story? Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty interesting, Joe. I, uh, I, 
I, I remember the first time I was really aware of wanting to be successful and make money was when I was in sixth grade. Yeah. So I was pretty young and I, and I started doing odd jobs and, you know, mowing lawns and whatever, whatever I could do that somebody would give me money for. And what I did was I actually saved all that money. And by the time I got into uh, junior high, middle school, I was able to open up what's called an UGMA account. And an UGMA account is basically a, a stock trading account or a brokerage account where someone under the age of 18 is able to open that account as long as you have like a responsible individual on that account who happened to be my grandfather. And so I had some money in that account and I decided I was going to make my first investment. And the very first uh, investment I made was I bought a stock in a company called Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Now, us as parents, right? Gotta we, love we have come to love to hate that 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 <laughs> that, that, that place, right? I mean, yeah. we love it, we hate it all at the same time. But the funny, th- so but but it was a great learning lesson for me because what happened was I bought that stock. It was between eighteen and twenty dollars when I bought it, and it went up to forty two dollars in about a year later. And mm-hmm. I said, "Wow, this is great." So I I told my grandfather, I said, "Okay, now I want to sell it." And he says, no. He says, you don't sell it. He said, you know, stocks are, you know, investments are for the long run. And I said, well, I understand that. I said, I, I don't want to spend the money. I said, I just want to sell out of that and, and look at something else. You know, it's, it's gone way up in price. I think I should, I should get out of it. He says, no. He says, you need to hold it. So I did. Well, the company ended up filing bankruptcy. And this is something that a lot of people are not aware of when it comes to traditional type of investing, stock market investing. Chuck E. Is that Cheese went the, bankrupt? Chuck E. Cheese went bankrupt. This, was, this is going back. This is going to date me. Uh, that was back in the 80s. Wow. And here's what happens is that when a company files bankruptcy, in some cases, the court will allow the company to wipe out all previous shareholders and do a new stock offering. Wow. So the company still exists today. But my shares became worthless back when they declared bankruptcy. And I, so, so I incurred a, a 100% loss on that. Wow. So, 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 but that was a learning lesson for me because I said, you know what? The, the first lesson I learned was I don't like to lose money. <laughs> and the, the second lesson I learned was is that, you know what? There's got to be a different way to, to, to do this and, and, and create wealth. And, and so that's where I really kind of started my journey and where I began to, years later, learn about real estate and notes and mortgages and, and deeds of trust and all these other things. And, um, you know, one of the biggest issues that we face when, when you sit down and look at this stuff and you start thinking about making money, because when I was making money, then I started paying a lot of taxes. And I didn't like that either, that I was, you know, the government was taking all my money. And, and so I started looking at, well, how do you really create wealth? And what, what are the wealthiest people doing? And, and that's where I kind of came into this whole thing and, and created a system and a company where we basically uh, are able to protect money from taxes, even eliminate them in many cases completely, which people have a hard time believing that's even possible, uh, while growing and creating consistent, predictable streams of income through notes and real estate. Mm-hmm. Notes and real estate. Now, you're... Are you- Will you talk about – well, let's do this. I was going to ask you to go into notes, but will you talk about what you, what kind of real estate can you do, invest with your IRAs in? Are there certain types of real estate you can't do, certain types of deals you can't do, certain types of deals you can? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and that's a great question. The, the, the great thing about a self-directed IRA or retirement account, and, and I'm going to use the word IRA as, as a general term to represent like all retirement accounts and tax advantage accounts. There are different ones, and, and, and there's some, some real cool benefits to, to some of these different accounts, but, but I'll use IRA as a general term. And the, the, the way the rules work, the way, when these rules were written and they're, they're enforced by the Department of Labor and the IRS, those are the two regulatory bodies at the federal level that over, oversee these things, um, what, what, what they basically say is we're not going to tell you what you're allowed to do. We're going to tell you what you're not allowed to do. So that's how we come into an understanding of what we, we can and cannot do. And, and so just as a quick example, there's nothing in the rules that anyone can read that says you're allowed to buy Apple stock as an example in your IRA. But there's no place that prohibits it or says you're not allowed to do it. So we're allowed to draw the conclusion we can buy Apple stock. So the question that you're asking is, well, issues on any type of real estate or real estate transactions. And when you look at it, there really aren't any. 
so you can buy vacant land. You can buy farmland. You can buy single-family homes. You can buy condos. You can buy duplexes. You can buy commercial property, an interest in a commercial property. Uh, you can buy property in Missouri, Ohio, Florida, California. You could buy uh, property in Prague, Joe. You, you could buy property virtually anywhere in the world. Yeah. Um, the only property you can't buy, okay, and this would be true of any asset, okay, so just not property or real estate. The only real estate you're not allowed to buy is real estate that you own already personally or if you're, you have an LLC or a land trust or something where, where you control that piece of real estate, you, bet you, you, you own it but you might indirectly own it, those are the only pieces of real estate you can't purchase inside of your IRA. Okay. Now, you, you've mentioned the purchasing as far as the, something you're going to be buying and holding. You might hold a piece of uh, rental property, a piece of land, note. What about quick turning strategies? Can you buy up a property, fix it up, sell it for a quick profit? That's yeah. the question right there. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the answer is yes, and we have clients do that um, all the time. Um, few, few things to be aware of when you're doing those types of transactions. The first thing is, so the answer is yes, you can do that. The, 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 the second part of that answer is I'm going I'm to say that with caveats. So as an example, one of the things that um, you want to make sure of is that you're not doing any of the, the labor yourself. So if you're a true investor and you know, you're hiring subcontractors and everything to do all the work, that's fine. You just can't put any, quote, sweat equity into an IRA property that your IRA owns. Okay. That's but cool. You, the IRS yeah. wants us to not be <laughs> you know, doing the work without lifting a hammer. So that's good. That's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. It, well, yeah. And, and truthfully, that's the way that people should be doing it. And, and, right. and obviously, most people we, we work with do that. But, but you know, when, when people are starting out in the business, if, if they're just getting started in real estate investing or something, a lot of times people you know, try to save a few bucks here or there by doing something themselves, particularly if they have an expertise in a, in a particular area. And, and I just always point out to people, don't do that on your IRA properties. Okay. You know, the hard thing there with IRAs, and I think we might have talked about this before on another call, is getting the enough, enough money into the IRA to do a deal like that. Like from, so like if I have a new lender that comes on and he's like, yeah, self-directed IRA, tax-free, woohoo, but I don't have an IRA. I have a million dollars, but I don't have an IRA. How do I get that money into the IRA so I can start doing this and reaping those benefits, you know? Yeah, and, and that's that's something that we uh, you know it's funny we, we we one of our expertise we do a lot of consulting work for clients, and there's actually various solutions to that 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 problem that people come across. Well, Edwin, before before we jump ahead of there, because I, I want to make sure we cover all the caveats, because um, you only mentioned one that you can't make you have to make sure you can't do any of the labor yourself, no sweat equity, um, and and that's something I do want to talk about. Like, how do you start or create these IRAs? How do you if you're an investor and you're wanting to partner with somebody else, uh, how do you get their money into a self-directed IRA so you can start using that or whatever? But are there with the are IRA th that should be a caveat because you can't use. Um, you're only going to be you're going to be taxed on the percentage of the money that is in the IRA versus what you put into it. So that kind of ties into a caveat. Maybe that'll be the last caveat that we can transition into. Okay, well, that makes sense. Well, explain that a little bit, Edwin. Yeah, so I, I think, Alex, what you're referring to is if you're borrowing money in the IRA. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. no. So let's say I have an IRA I just opened up. I'm excited, and I can only deposit probably like 5000 bucks into it a year. <laughs> That's going to take me a long time to get to the point where I can do – you know, $125,000, $150,000 deals. So in the beginning, I can put up my funds into the IRA as far as, okay, 10000 of this is coming out of my self-directed IRA. So when the profit comes back, then it's going to be based on the percentage of the amount I put in, correct? Okay. So, yeah. So it, it, that's, yeah. So that the, the, the strategy that, that Alex is referring to is if I have $5,000 in my account, and I have $100,000 as an example outside of my account. How, how do I use both sets of money? Can I do that? The answer is yes, because the IRA can partner with 
another person, entity, or IRA. So in that case, if, if the IRA, we refer to it as an undivided interest, that's usually how it's recorded in, in title, is it, it, it owns an undivided interest, then the percentage of the profits that the IRA owns on a piece of real estate, that's the percentage of profits that goes back to the IRA. That, that is correct. So that's one way uh, to structure a real estate transaction using a self-directed IRA. So if, you're, if, you, if, if your money in the IRA only contributes to 10% of the deal, you can only put 10% of the profits back into your IRA, right? Exactly. Correct. Okay. Now, what are some of the other I, the caveats then for if you're fixing and flipping your own deals inside of your own IRA? So, so I'll tell you the biggest ones that we see where clients make mistakes if, if they're just getting started. You know, once you do it once or twice, you figure it out very quickly. It's just like riding a bike. Uh, the, the, believe it or not, the biggest mistake, the biggest challenge that investors have when they're using their self-directed IRA is the simplest thing to solve for, and it's the titling. Most of the time when investors are making and extending offers to purchase real estate, they use their entity name. Uh, that's most commonly what we see, or they might use their own personal name. Problem is, remember what we were talking about in the beginning. I said the only the, the only caveat on real estate really is that you can't purchase something in your IRA that you already own or control. So if you write an offer to purchase and it's got your personal name or your entity name on there, then technically you now control the deal personally. Can't go in your IRA. So the key thing there is is that when you're writing offers to purchase, you have to have the correct titling. And the way those deals are typically titled are specialized IRA services, uh, Joe McCall's IRA, account number one, two, three, four, five. And you can put that on the offer to purchase and you can sign as agent on behalf of your IRA when you extend that offer. That's the number one mistake we see uh, investors make when they're using their IRA. The second biggest mistake, I'm sorry, were you going to make a comment or a question on that, Joe? Yeah, real quick. So what if you only have $10,000 to put in the deal? How do you make the offer? How do you title the offer then? Then you show both parties on that offer to purchase. So it's the IRA and then the other partner and you you can put down the percentages. Okay. Or approximate. It, the key is, is as long as both names are on there, it's very clear where the money's coming from and, and who's controlling the deal and who's purchasing it. That That's the key thing. Now, okay. the second thing that goes along with that is if you're putting financial consideration in the transaction. So as an example, if you had $1,000 in earnest money, well, if the IRA is purchasing it, then that $1,000 needs to come from the IRA. So simply what happens is people will call the office and say, hey, $1, I need $1,000 for earnest money. And, and so the money has to come from the account. If you put your own personal money in the transaction, again, that's personal money. Now you personally control the deal. So that negates the opportunity to, to, to have the IRA acquire it. So, it, so that's the second biggest mistake we see. Is it? It sounds to me like maybe it's just better if you're going to invest <clears throat> your IRA money into a deal that it, it should maybe be 100% of your IRA or nothing else. Does that make sense? No. Yeah, yeah. And, and the answer is not necessarily. I mean, we have clients who get started, uh, to Alex's point, who have um, smaller IRAs and they say, well, I want to use this IRA money. I want to put it to work. And, and so... Partnering on a transaction is one way that they do that, and they are able to accomplish that. So, so partnering with the IRA is not a problem. Um, if you have all the cash in the account to do the transaction, that's an opportunity. Uh, there, you know, there's 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 other things that that we help clients structure. So, so there's there's numerous ways to involve the IRA in an investment. Right. Okay. But you have to have a custodian to help you do this, right? Because you can't do Correct. this. You can't do this on your own. No, you need you, you, one of the reasons why we get. We haven't talked about tax benefits yet, but one of the reasons why people use retirement accounts are because just the incredible tax benefits that IRAs provide. You know, they're simple, they're easy to use, and they're simple to set up. Most people have some retirement money, so they already have money setting aside. They can take money from an old four hundred one k or a company plan, and or or you know, an IRA at a bank or a brokerage, and transfer that into a self directed IRA. So it's it's really easy to get started. Um, IRA investing typically. Um, so, uh, so, so typically, what happens then? What is that? You know, pe- people have money in the account. You know, they, they want to get started. They they want to get they they want to you know just just start start using it and, and seeing those returns. 
and and so that's um, so, so there's this all way there's, there's so many different ways you know yeah. just jump in and, and get going. Okay, so are there other some other caveats that are important for people to know about? Well, so we talked about the acquisition side of it, right? So so that's the titling and and where that that initial money comes from. So so those are two key things. Once you're involved in the transaction, that you know the third key thing we've already touched on, which is um, you don't want to uh, do any work yourself, put any sweat sweat equity into the property, okay? And uh, and those are really the, the the two biggest things. So if you're putting ten thousand dollars of your IRA into a money into a deal, and you have another ninety thousand dollars of your own, how can you not use any of your own? Like I'm still kind of confused. If you have to go and um, sp- uh, spend a thousand dollars on materials from your own LLC business checking account. Can you still do that into the deal, even though you have some of your own IRA money in the deal? Does That's that a good sense? question. So, yeah, exactly. Good question. Um, so the the answer is is that when you have uh, your IRA partner now, and, and by the way, there's a difference between like Joe, you and I are not related, right? As far as we know, we're not related. Yeah. And so, so. Um, you and I could partner on a transaction where I could use my IRA, and the rules could work a little differently than um, if I'm partnering with myself, because because I'm partnering with myself and it's my IRA, those rules are gonna those rules are gonna work a little differently. As a general rule, if 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 I have a, a, a transaction where I'm partnered with myself, um, you have to look at the total size of the deal. So, as an example, if you say it's going to take a hundred thousand dollars. For purchase and fix up, and marketing, or you, you know, throw in any other uh, cost of financing, what, whatever uh, expenses you're going to have on that investment. The amount, if your IRA owns, say, as an example, ten percent to use your number, um, any expenses that are incurred on that investment um, need to be paid in their their percentage of ownership, if you will. Oh, really. So, so that's one thing to keep in mind. So you want to have a pretty good feel for the numbers ahead of time. Now, that, like I said, there's, there's other ways that, that you, can, you, can, you can work with those transactions. As an example, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. I have a client who um, uh, actually he, we, we, we've known each other for years and, and he's setting up uh, an account for his, his, his wife and she um, is funding an account and what what happened was is that he says you know she doesn't have enough money in this account to to do the the first transaction we want to do but you know the good news is, is that I have ways to, to to borrow money and I said well her IRA is allowed to borrow money and and so believe it or not one of the things in the rules is that your IRA is allowed to borrow money and and so if you had as an example in that scenario you know five or ten thousand dollars you had a hundred thousand dollar deal well, if you can get a loan from a, another investor, there's even, well, I won't go about the banks, but, but it, it, let's just say another investor, that IRA can borrow it and it has all the money inside the account to do that transaction. So, so there's numerous ways. That's why I say there's numerous ways to get deals done. Okay. So if you have $10,000 in a self-directed IRA and you use all of that money to purchase it, so now you have $0 left in the IRA – you you might get in trouble because if you have to go buy a thousand dollars worth of material at Home Depot, and you don't have any money left in your IRA to do that, you you got to how do you get around that, or do you have to think about that kind of stuff ahead of time? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah it makes perfect sense, and it's a great question because one of the things that you want to keep in mind, and so one is is like here's how, here's the comparison I use. It's really no different than, say, uh, a business that that you might own or operate. Um, when when you're when you're investing, or if you hold rental property, as an example, and actually I like to use this as an example because it's a pretty good example to to kind of illustrate the point, is that if if you when you purchase a rental property, if you're going to the bank for a loan, the bank wants to see a certain percentage of money in cash reserves. Uh-huh. Right, because yeah. there are things that can come up unexpectedly. The same rule would apply to your IRA. You want to have uh, working capital, if you will, available when you're doing certain types of transactions. 
Now, it's, it's where those things most commonly come up are with uh, buy and hold real estate or you know, buy and flip because things come up that weren't expected. You need to kick in a little bit more cash into the transaction. And, and so you just want to kind of have those things in mind. Now, there are ways, again, like I said, to structure a deal um, to where that, that you can kind of manage that to some degree. But, uh, that, but just at, at a basic concept, I think it's really important what you brought up is you want to make sure you have some working capital based on the type of transactions that you're doing in that account. All right. So let's say you have um, 50 grand. Let's say you have 25 grand in a self-directed IRA and you want to buy a rental property. And then you, you use 20 grand to buy a, a property that is worth 40. So you use 40 grand of your own cash, 20 grand of your own cash and 20 grand of your IRA's cash to buy the property, but you still have $5,000 left in there. You get rent of $1,000 a month. So if the IRA is 50% owner of the partnership of this property, 50% of the rent has to go into the IRA, right? Correct. And 50% of the expenses have to be paid by the IRA, correct? Correct. Okay, so if you have to write a check or uh, for, for utility bills, let's say, and you have a $50 water bill, does the IRA have to write a check? So do you have to send two checks in to pay the water bill, half of it from your IRA and half of it from your own uh, business account? Yes and no. Depends on how you hold that asset. Okay. So when you're partnering, then yes, if, 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 the, if the IRA has direct uh, title uh, along with yourself or your business, you know, the other partner, let's call it, then those checks have to be cut separately. One way that clients will, will kind of clean that up a little bit, um, particularly if it's like a rental property, something like that, is that they will – there's a couple things that they do. Uh, one thing is that uh, if there's a property manager on that property, the property manager can collect rents, pay expenses, send that proceeds back. So yeah. that, that's one way to clean it up. Another way to clean that up is to use an entity like an LLC. So in other words, the, you can set up a brand – it has to be a brand new LLC solely owned by you know, the partners in that transaction. Okay. And um, what happens is instead of the IRA purchasing the real estate directly, the IRA purchases an interest in that LLC. Now the money is in the LLC bank account. Now the LLC is the one taking title to the property. Mm-hmm. Right, so it goes IRA LLC property. Now the LLC writes one check. Yeah. The LL right. So 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 all the income and the expenses run through that LLC, and so now you're dealing with one checking account versus two, or you know three or four or whatever you know however many partners you have in that transaction. Right. And and this may sound complicated, and some of you guys may be thinking, "Oh, what a hassle! That's not worth." Well, yes, it's it may be a hassle, but it's certainly worth it if it's going to help you save thousands and thousands of dollars in taxes every month or every year. You know what I'm saying? So, this is stuff that's really important to understand. And I, I'm hoping that by asking some of these maybe more difficult questions, that it's not scaring anybody off because there are companies like yours, Edwin that uh, help people navigate through these kinds of difficult issues. Um, and Alex, feel free, please, to you know, interrupt if you got more questions along this line. Sure. I wanted to ask a few more questions about wholesaling and self-directed IRAs. Good question. Can you talk about that, Edwin? Yeah, so wholesaling is a, is a terrific strategy inside of IRAs, particularly for people who are just getting started with an IRA, perhaps. Because, as to your point, if they have and, – and I'll, and I'll give you a scenario, I'll give you a specific – client that we did this with. Uh, he, he started a Roth IRA with a $500 contribution. And so people will often say, well, what can you do with $500 in a, in a self-directed IRA? Well, you actually have a lot of options, believe it or not, but one of them is wholesale. Uh-huh. And yeah. so what he did on his very first transaction was that he, um, he found an opportunity, you know, talked to a motivated seller, and instead of himself uh, writing that option uh, to purchase, he had his Roth IRA do it. Option is the key, right? Like a contract? No, but yes, that that that's the key to the transaction, and, and and that's exactly what he used. So he used an option to control the transaction. He only needed a hundred dollars in financial consideration to 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 make that option legally binding. And so then what he did was he took that that option and assigned that contract to an investor 
uh, who's a rehabber who, who purchases properties, fix them up, and, 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 and sells them. And, and so when he did that deal, he assigned that option for $8,600. So – I'm sorry. It was $8,700, but he had $100 commodity account, so he had an $8,600 profit. That $8,600 went back to his Roth IRA, got deposited in the account. So he went from $500, right, to, to what is that, like, you know, 9100 bucks within now, 30 days. How many times can you do this before it's considered doing a business and now you're subject to the famous UBIT and all that wonderful stuff, which is the unrelated business uh, income tax? Yeah, that, that question comes up every time I do this. Um, yeah, of course. So, and it's and it's a great question. And and here's 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 my answer to that. You'll get different answers from different people. Some people say you can do one a year. Some people say you can do twenty a year. Some people will say you can do ten a year or five a year. You know, you'll get different numbers. Here's the reality of the issue. Uh, UBIT is a tax. So if if people are not aware of what we're talking about, UBIT UBIT is a tax, and it was created to uh, kind of equal the playing field or level the playing field. By the government for not for profits versus for profit businesses. Because not for profits, if they don't have to pay taxes, have an unfair competitive advantage over or for profit businesses. So, but, but it applies to any kind of tax sheltered or tax protected entity like an IRA. Okay, so that's where, that's where that kind of comes from. The, the issue is that this is really the question. The question is, is, is it an investment activity that you're doing in your IRA or is it a business activity? Investment activities are never taxed. Business activities are always taxed. Okay, so that's the distinction. If you're doing an investment activity and it's not a business, there is no number of transactions. It's unlimited. If it's a business activity, one business will trigger tax. So the question is, is wholesaling or, or, or buying and selling an option an investment activity or a business activity. My opinion is it's an investment activity. Uh, if you buy options on stocks in the stock market, nobody ever is concerned about UBIT on that. All we did was change up the type of asset. It's no longer a stock, it's a piece of real estate. But the instrument, the mechanics of it, operate identically. And so my opinion is, uh, unless there's something that comes out in the future, um, that that if that it's an investment activity. So as long as you're conducting investments inside your, your IRA, then it is it is not subject to UBIT. There's no tax. You don't have to worry about it. So that eighty six hundred dollars in that particular case went back to the account. No taxable event. One hundred percent tax free profit. He now has you know ninety one hundred dollars in that account to go and reinvest. So, is it a gray area or is it? Because you did say it's your opinion. Is the IRS intentionally not clear on that, or how do you know, well, okay, I've already done five deals, maybe I shouldn't do any more for a little while or something like that? Well, uh, you know, it, it, people make their own judgments about those things, but, you, you know, in terms of a gray area, it, it, I, I don't know that it's a gray area or it's not a gray area. Where, where I think it's gotten confusing for people is that, you know, Investing is an activity, which is investing. But what happened was is that many people start started years and years and years ago, right, to set these things up as businesses and formal business operations. And so, when they're doing something as a business, why do we do things as a business? Well, because there's tax benefits, right? We get write-offs and we can take deductions, and there's all kinds of advantages and asset protection that come by owning a business um, outside the IRA. And so then when people start looking at doing some of the same activities that they've organized outside the IRA, um, then their, their immediate thought process, right, because that's how they're looking at it, is, well, this is a business. Well, no, not necessarily. I'll give you another yeah. example outside the real estate world. Uh, Forex and futures traders, they trade uh, derivative type of instruments. Now, th that's considered an investment activity. That is not subject to UBIT. However, there are traders who set their trading up as a business outside their IRA because they have the ability to take deductions and write-off expenses and those kinds of things. They don't have the liability concern that, that maybe real estate investors have, but, but they have these other things that they want to do and accomplish. And so they, they go out of their way to organize their, their trading activities as a business. 
doesn't matter that they do that. When it comes to the IRA, it's an investment activity. Now, if, if you're doing wholesaling in your IRA, um, I'd imagine then if you, if you don't want to make it a business activity, you probably should not pay for your marketing from the money inside your IRA. Is that correct? Correct. So really, the only money that can come out of your IRA when you're doing a wholesale deal is maybe the earnest money for the deal. Is that right? Any direct expense of the investment is paid for by the IRA. Now, marketing is not really a direct expense, right? Because you could send out, as an example, a thousand letters. And you might get a response. You might not get a response. Um, you get a response. You might buy it in your business name. You might buy it in the IRA. That is not a direct expense of an investment. But uh, real estate taxes due to the uh, county on a on a piece of real estate that your IRA owns. That is a direct expense of the investment. That's going to be paid from the IRA. Does that does that distinction make sense? Yeah, so if you have any closing costs in part as part of the deal that you're paying for, um, that would probably be paid for by the IRA. Correct. Now, why do you say doing it in, in an option? I'm assuming you're, you're contrasting that with double closing. Is it more important then to to assign the an option agreement to do it as an assignment fee? No. Or you, does it matter? No, you can do, you can do it either way. It it doesn't it doesn't matter either way. That was just how he happened to do that particular transaction, which is why I use that as an example. Okay. Hey Alex, have you ever wholesaled a deal in an IRA? IRA? No. I haven't. I yep. I haven't either. Yes. But I've, I'm definitely interested in doing it. Well, someday. just because the thing is I was trying to make sure I had enough money um I guess in the, well, actually, I don't even have a self-directed IRA, so I need to talk to Mr. Edwin here, um, and uh, figure that and figure that out because, and even my lenders, I mean, try to get the money from the bank into the IRA somehow so that they can start doing this and and, and realizing the tax benefits because lending out of your IRA is definitely tax-free as opposed to you know doing these flips like this. So we definitely need to talk when this is over. Well, yeah, and so one of the things that you t- you can you talk a lot about, Edwin, is how to use other people's money to fund your deals. And there's a lot of people out there who have money in retirement accounts, and maybe they don't know about self-directed IRAs, or maybe they've heard of them and they want to invest in real estate. And you have deals that you're looking for lenders on. Can you talk a little bit about how to use other people's money, private investors, self-directed IRAs, all that good stuff? Yeah, so it's it's a uh, it's it's a great concept and it's a great strategy. Um, one of the, and I'm a, I'm a big advocate of this. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner. And as business owners, Joe, you know that one of our biggest challenges is, is funding our business, uh, sometimes funding the operations or funding an expansion uh, of a business or, or being able to get into an investment. And the banks aren't really that cooperative with us. Uh, in fact, the way I always like to say it is, if you don't need the money, that's when you can go to the bank for a loan. And, and, and that's typically how it works, at least from the business side, right? And, and so, but the great thing about IRAs is this, and this is the huge opportunity that exists for investors today. It's never been a better time because there is currently, as of the end of last quarter, $20 trillion, that's trillion with a T, okay, $20 trillion inside of retirement accounts right now. That's the size of the pie, if you will, that exists today. I'm venturing to, I venture, I'll, I'll venture a guess and say that that's probably more money than anybody listening right now could probably put to use in the next couple of years. Okay. And, and, and so the, the cool thing about it is, is that virtually everybody you know has a retirement account of some kind. Now, they're not familiar with self directing, but they do have a retirement account because they have a job. And by the time they're 35 to 40 years old, they have accumulated through various jobs and contributing to those company-sponsored plans um, anywhere between $100,000 and $200,000 on average already saved. They've gone through multiple cycles on the stock market. They had the same experience I did when I was young, and they're looking for alternatives. They're, they're looking for ways to make more consistent, predictable type of returns. And so there's a strong interest in saying, hey, I want to diversify away from the stock market. Um, but they don't necessarily know what the alternatives are. Note investing is one of my favorite in- type of investments inside the IRA because it's truly 100% passive to the IRA. Um, Alex kind of 
talked and mentioned that. And, um, and, and that note and and the IRA can loan on any, on virtually anything. And and so you have a real estate project you want to do. You have a real estate investment you want to make. You can borrow the money from someone else's IRA and depending upon how much money you're looking for. So, you know, Alex, I think, I think it was Alex, you mentioned like $120,000 for uh, a deal at the beginning of the call. Well, you only need potentially one person to fund that transaction. If you're looking for a million dollars in capital, five to ten people can provide it. You know, you're not talking about a lot of people, and the people are all around you. We actually have, uh, you know, services and things that we offer for clients who want to start using other people's IRAs to kind of train them, support them, help them to go out and raise private money. As an, I'll give you a quick example. I just, I just have a, a, a gentleman who just started working with us in the last 30 days, and he is up in the uh, Chicago area. And he, um, he, heard, he heard about the, uh, the self-directed IRAs and we met and he says, well, you know, I've, I've got this real estate investment I want to do and it's down in Florida and I need to raise some money and I don't know anything about this. So long story short, um, we are transferring over. We started working together about 30 days ago and, and he's bringing over uh, one account with about 220000 in it. That's his first one. And, and so he'll probably raise about a million dollars. That's what he wants to do. He wants to raise about a million dollars, and, and, and we've got a goal of, of accomplishing that in about four to five months. And so he's, he, he's, he's on track to do that. So, so it's, it's just being aware of the opportunity and, uh, and, and then getting a little bit more education in, in, on, on how that works and, and having somebody to work with to help you do that. All right. So let's say you're doing your marketing. You find a deal that is worth 300 You can buy it for 150 it's a pretty good deal. The numbers look real good, and you want to borrow some money from a private investor. And you have a friend who has 150 grand in a retirement account. Uh, maybe it's a um, um, a traditional IRA. And this guy wants to invest in this deal with you. So what what is the first step? What do they need to do? So the first step in the way the process works is that uh, when we when we work with folks who are raising actively raising money, uh, we assign them to a single point of contact at our company. So they have uh, a self directed specialist that they work with. And so what happens is in that first step is they make an introduction. So the first step is that that, that person who's going to put together the investment and be borrowing the money uh, kind of goes over their their business model, the investment model with the, the person on our team that they're working with. Then what happens is, is that they make introductions. It happens different ways, but, but sometimes and, uh, and most often it's probably done via email. Hey, you know, um, Edwin, meet, you know, John. And so then we email them. Hey, John, you know, great to get connected to you. What's a good time to talk? We have that conversation. You know, there's, there's certain things that, and this is the trick, this is the rub in the whole process to making it work, is that, when you talk to someone who's never heard about self-directing before, they might never even really be familiar with real estate investing at all. Uh, there are certain questions that they have. The problem is they don't know enough to know what to ask. And that's, 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 that's what they say. And they say, you know what, I, I have questions, but I don't know what to ask. If they don't get their questions answered, they don't move forward. The thing mm-hmm. is, we've been doing this long enough that we know what they need answered. And there's four specific things that they need answered. And so we, that's one of the things we go over. So what happens is then, then specialized IRA services as the IRA provider is the one that's responsible for setting up that account, transferring that money over, and as soon as that money comes over, then it's available to fund that investment. The investor that the IRA owner right, is working with typically has the loan docs and, and that kind of thing. And we, 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 we put that with uh, a direction to invest form, which is what we call our paperwork. That comes to us. And we basically wire the money to wherever they send it to say to send it to, typically a title agency or a closing attorney. Yeah. And, and that's it. it the, the process isn't complicated, but if it's unfamiliar to people, then it's, it's really more an issue of familiarity and learning the process and implementing it and just getting started, um, you know, talking to people about it and that kind of thing. And we have all kinds of support materials and, and that kind of thing to help people have that conversation, make the introduction, and handle the handoff. The great thing about it is, is that people don't have to be an expert in the IRA. They only have to be an expert in their investment. That's what they do, and then we handle the IRA part for them. But I like the fact that you want to get to know that investor as well. 
correct? I mean, you want to know what this guy, if he's really absolutely because knows what he's doing because right. that. Well, we want to know. Well, yeah, we want to. We, we, we want to know a few things. One of one of the things we really want to know and uncover is well, how are you structuring these transactions? Because it, it when when we have that conversation with um, a potential lender or investor that they're going to be working with, the the, the nice thing about that is that uh, we know exactly how to have that conversation because we know what to tell them is going to be needed and expected and how that process is going to flow and timeframes and all those things. So it makes a nice, easy conversation for someone who's unfamiliar with self-directing and, 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 you know, they just want to know how it's going to work. Okay. All right. So let's say, you know, like in St. Louis, I have, we sell a lot of rental properties. We wholesale a lot of rental properties and, um, you know, in the past, I haven't really focused on trying to find people who have self-directed IRA money. I just advertise the property and the numbers are good. We sell them pretty quick. Um, but I've been thinking about this, like maybe I should be more intentional in finding people who have IRA money who are looking to make, you know, a pretty safe 10 to 12% uh, return on their money through these turnkey rental properties that we're selling, right? Um so what do you recommend to somebody like me who's a wholesaler who is is finding these properties, maybe doing a little fix-up, uh, has property management in place, wanting to sell these kind of turnkey deals? What do you recommend to those investors who are looking for these people who have self-directed IRAs to find them to sell these properties to? Does that make sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. And and, and it depends. So I'll use you as an example. It, it kind of depends how the person is, is set up and organized. So um, I'll use this last person real quickly. What, you know, he, he has a website, he's got a Facebook page, he's got some people connected to him. Um, you know, he, he doesn't do a ton of marketing. He doesn't do a lot of those things. So what we did was we actually shot a couple videos, uh, via Skype and recorded those videos. And he basically interviewed me on retirement account investing and how you can use that to, to invest in real estate. And, you know, we focused on the type of real estate transactions he was putting together, obviously. And then he posted that video on YouTube. He posted it on um, his Facebook page. He put it on his website. And, you know, he started, you know, talking to people about it. They go, they watch. It's a short interview. And that's where this $220,000 client came from. Um, so, so, so things like that. If, if you already have people like, and you've got uh, uh, marketing going, whether it's being emails or webinars or whatever, then uh, a lot of what we do is say, we just want to tie into what you're already doing because the reality is if whoever you're talking to, like I said, a majority of them, I can probably promise you have a retirement account already. They're just not aware of it and how to use it. And so what, what we need to do is draw the line, help draw the line for people. Hey, do you have a retirement account? You know, you've been listening to me about investing in real estate. Do you realize that you can use that retirement account to purchase these, these rental properties from me? You can get involved in real estate investing right away without quitting your job or putting in any kind of real time or effort. And, and so when people, when you draw that line for people, they're like, wow, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. And, and, and that's, so in a certain sense, in, in a certain sense, instead of soliciting for private money, which you're kind of not allowed to do not do that, you could, right. You could advertise for self-directed IRA education. Exactly. And you can train people or at least uh, offer people access to training on how to find out how to invest their IRA money, which is what you guys do, right? Exactly. So everything we do is education. It's never solicitation. And as an example, I'll point out a couple of things. Uh, one of the ways that that's very clear that it's not solicitation is that you notice the examples that I've used and the, the transactions that I've talked about aren't anything that are available to anybody right now on this call. These are transactions that have already been done. That's education. Mm -hmm. That's not solicitation. Now, you could go okay. out and, and do a transaction. You could go out and do just, just like what we've been talking about. But, but that transaction that I brought up isn't available for anybody to, to buy into or invest in. And, and so that, you know, we, 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 we're very specific in terms of how we provide the education so that people understand how this works, how it can benefit them. Um, and yeah, we don't solicit. And that's, by the way, just as a nuance to this, if people aren't familiar with special or um, self-directed IRA providers, you know, the thing that's unique about us is that we don't sell investments and we don't provide investment advice. We provide the IRA service and allow clients to get control over their account and invest in what they want to invest in. So most clients really appreciate that because we're not selling them anything 
um, they, they, they feel like they're in control and that they can work with the people they want to work with to invest their account. Okay, good. One of the things that when we were talking about wholesaling, I was thinking about lease options, Edwin. And that's something that I'm tr- starting personally to focus more on in my business. Um, I want to build a portfolio of properties, but I don't want to build a, a I don't want to have a bunch of uh, really cheap low-end rental properties. Um, I'd like to focus more on the median-priced neighborhoods, more of the in St. Louis that would be, you know, a hundred to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right in the one hundred fifty thousand dollar price range. Okay, now if I were to go out and buy um, a bunch of those properties, that would obviously take a lot of capital to do that. But I like the idea of lease options and specifically sandwich lease options. I can control these properties without buying them, without owning them. And I can get some cash flow. I can get them at a discount. Not a huge discount, but I can get them at a good discount and pay them off in five or 10 years um, with the cash flow, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to go into all those details. So can you invest in those kinds of lease option deals through your self-directed IRA? Absolutely. Could you um, give an example then of how, I, if I wanted to, to, to buy a property on a lease option and do a sandwich lease option where I'm going to be staying in the middle, and I'm assuming you know what that is, yep. like a sandwich lease option, right? Uh, how would I do that? So, you know, if you think about how you do it now, you know, this, and this is, this is a, and it's really a great question, Joe, because, because here's, here's the, 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 the trick of it. A lot of people make self-directing a retirement account more complicated than it really has to be. When you're doing that transaction, like you're talking about, and you're entering that transaction, you have the the documents that you're that you're using, right? You have a lease, and and you have an option, right? You you, you typically have two different docs, or I don't know, is that how you do? Yeah. You have two different docs, yeah. Oh yeah. So 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 you have two two separate documents, okay? Well, who is the person that's controlling the deal through the option, and who's the person leasing it? Well, if that's you. Or your uh-huh. business, right? You put a name on there. If you're using your IRA, it's just what we talked about at the beginning. You're using the IRA name. You're not using your name. You're not using your business name. You're using the IRA name. So all the documents are pretty much identical. Like I said, the key distinction is the titling. Who's going to control or own the transaction? So instead of using your business name, you're going to use your IRA name. Or you could use you could create a new LLC that the IRA owns, right? Or we could do that too. You could create a new LLC that the IRA owns to do that, and it would be in that LLC name. And you could have one LLC that owns multiple properties that the IRA owns, correct? Yep. Okay. Simple. Yeah. And so if I'm simple. putting down if I'm putting down a thousand dollar option deposit to the seller on the A to B side, that money would come from the IRA. Correct. Cool. And the 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 good reason probably why to have the LLC owned by the IRA is because then if there was some expenses that you had to pay, if there was a month of vacancies or whatever, um, the IRA could pay that through the LLC, not from your other business checking account. Correct. I think is what I'm saying there makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So Edwin, if somebody wants to start an IRA, where do, where do they, what do they do? Best way to do it is to go to www.specializedirservices.com. Um, we have a uh, we just published a new book. It's absolutely free. Uh, they can sign up for that online. We offer um, uh, an introductory free consultation as part of that package as well. Uh, the eight hundred number is right there on the website. They can always just call in the office, um, and uh, at, you know they hit option one when they dial in, and they. They, they, uh, they'll get connected to a self-directed specialist, and they're there to answer all their questions about self-directing accounts, investments, you know, all those types of things. Okay, good. Specializedirservices.com. Edwin. Yes. Go ahead, Alex. All right, I was going to say, um, let's say I've got a lender that's been lending with to me for a long time, and they've got plenty of money to deal to do this and they want to start realizing the tax benefits but they don't have a self-directed IRA what's the best way for them to go about getting one established getting it funded so that it has enough to do actually do deals and uh, and start uh, realizing those benefits how how would they do that 
Well, well, the short answer is is that they should call and schedule a consultation with one of our specialists uh, because, you know, and, and the reason why I say that is because every situation, you know, I'd love to sit here and say that there's a cookie cutter approach to all this. One of the reasons why we've been so successful at helping clients really move forward quickly is because it's not cookie cutter, it's very customized, and that's why we do the consultations because, uh, just to give you an example, um, I, I have I had a client who said, you know, I, I want to... He said, how much can I contribute? And I said, well, how much do you want to contribute? And he says, well, you know, I, I have north of $100,000 I'd like to get in in, a self, in in some self-directed accounts right now. And I said, okay. So we, we did the consultation, took a look at it, and we were able to get in about $120,000 in his particular case this year. So, so but, but it's based on this, his circumstances, situation, you know, you know, these types of things. So, so that's where I say it's a very customized approach, uh, what we do. To, to help to really understand what the client wants to achieve, what their goals and objectives are, what their situation is, so that we can make the best recommendations and really help them move forward uh, the way that they want to on their time frame. I understand that. Well, then uh, I'll have some people be giving you a call, and for sure they'll be uh, definitely interested in that. Beautiful. Well, good. And I'm looking at your website right now, Edwin. The book is called The Field Guide to Financial Success. Uh, with this book, you can transform your retirement, transform your family legacy, transform your business and your investing. And um, real simple, it sounds like. So, yes, I mean, obviously, there's a hundred different scenarios, a hundred different answers to each of those different scenarios. And so it's important if you are interested in learning more about creating a self-directed IRA for yourself and or um, partnering with other investors who have or not yet have their own self-directed IRAs, you probably need to talk to a good uh, expert who's in that field. And I have, I'm have i not getting anything by recommending Edwin to you guys. I just know he's a good guy. Um, he's honest. <clears throat> Known him from the mastermind. Excuse me. And uh, he's, he's definitely a guy that I think I'm glad that we've had you on this podcast, Edwin, so people can get more information and know where to go to, to get trustworthy information on that. Cause we've just barely scratched the surface and we were probably asking all kinds of questions all over the board and maybe we should have kept it more simple, but this has been really good. I appreciate it, Edwin. Joe, I appreciate it. And Alex, it was, it was, uh, thanks for uh, joining us. Good guys. So specialized IRA services.com. Edwin would be more than happy to help you guys. This is Edwin Kelly. And uh, it's been a good podcast. Guys, don't forget to go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to get our fast cash survival kit. We didn't even talk about that at the beginning of the podcast. Go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Check out the show notes of this episode. You can even get a transcript of this episode. If you're driving and you didn't weren't able to write down the website or the contact information for Edwin, we'll have all of that in the show notes. So go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Thanks, Edwin. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Edwin. All right. See you guys. Take care. Bye-bye.